It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk Podcast. It is currently 5:42 p.m. on Monday, May 31st, 2021. Happy Memorial Day. I'm down in the in the states right now, so um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all respect to those that have served. Um, yeah, I'm not even gonna touch the Kamala Harris thing with a ten foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> my my military friends are very angry. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing today? You know who it is. I'm good, man. It's uh, it's getting beautiful here in Montreal. You know, this time of year gets gets lovely with the springtime and the summer start to mix. So, just enjoying the the nice days, getting into summer, getting excited and watch a playoff basketball. You know, there's there's nothing more exciting nowadays. There's nothing better than playoff basketball. Believe me, <laughs> nothing I would rather do than watch playoff basketball mm-hmm. on God's green earth. As y'all can tell, I'm getting a little bit less sleep than I should be. I blame all these 10:30 p.m. games. I gotta move to L.A. where those games happen at like 7:30. I see why like Bill Simmons and the rest of those sports writers move away from New York, move to mm-hmm. L.A. A lot easier, a lot easier to record, a lot easier to watch every game. <laughs> yeah. So last week we did a playoff first round preview. The games have happened. One series is. The games have not happened yet today. One series is done. There should be another series done by the time this episode airs, or the Washington Wizards will pull off the improbable and win one playoff game. <laughs> I imagine the second series will be done too. I, I that that Wizards series. I think this is a great time for my favorite activity: trashing the Eastern Conference, and then we'll talk about mm. how great the Western Conference is. A ball talk classic. A ball talk classic, making fun of the Eastern Conference. Woo woo. <laughs> Kicking it back to our roots, making fun of one conference for being historically inept every single year. Better owners throughout the West. Uh, 16 teams when, or, or, or I actually had a fun realignment idea. You know, we're spitballing early. I had a fun realignment idea because they're looking at making an expansion. Someone tweeted out the other day that it's never been more real than it is right now. Looking mm-hmm. at adding a team to Seattle and I heard Vegas as the second team. I like it. I like it, by the way. I like expansion. Yeah. But how about instead of having two conferences where Memphis has all this weird travel and Minnesota has a ridiculous amount of travel and no, no, no. Let's do four. South, four West, Midwest, Northeast. I think it could work. I mm-hmm. think it would make a fun playoffs, and we could do top sixteen, or we could do like hockey's doing with you know the four fours, and they break through and then a final four. There's there's ways. I think it's something a route that should be explored at least a little bit. I Absolutely, like I like how much hockey likes messing with their structure. Absolutely, and to be fair, I mean we love NBA playoff basketball here. Don't get me wrong, but the NHL playoffs are some of the most electric playoff sports you will ever watch. If if you guys haven't ever watched a hockey game. Game seven, Montreal, Toronto already happened by the time this came out. But guess what? There'll be more game sevens in this playoffs. You should tune into it. The NHL is it's live in the playoffs. How many goals did the Golden Knights score yesterday? Was it seven to one to end the game? Yeah, it was seven one. 
All I know is that uh, former Montreal Canadian and fan favorite Max Pacioretty, Pacioretty, finished plus one in a game that his team lost by seven goals. <laughs> or six goals. Really outstanding. I, I... Incredible individual performance. Incredible individual performance. If everyone else could get on his page, we'd be doing very well down in Vegas. Back to the back to the league that I can actually talk about. I know Chaz can do a little more NHL than I can. I'm pretty casual on that front. I'll own it. If I ever get paid to talk about the NHL, I will become not casual. But for now, I focus all my all my energy is focused on the NBA playoffs. Mm. The, we're gonna take a quick look around the East. The East, the three seeded Milwaukee Bucks have already swept the Miami Heat. The one seeded Philadelphia 76ers are most likely about to sweep the Washington Wizards tonight. In a series that has been competitive for about six minutes. <laughs> the two-seeded Brooklyn Nets and the five-seeded Atlanta Hawks are both up 3-1 to one on the Celtics and Knicks, respectively. The East has mm. been a total snooze fest. Most games have not been worth watching. And I say that as someone who has watched, I don't want to say every single second of every single game, you know? Mm-hmm. There's Shabbat dinner. You know, my family comes. You know, sometimes you got to go to the bathroom. You got to warm up dinner. No, 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 no. I've watched most of every single game. Have I missed little bits and pieces? I have missed little bits and pieces. You have not missed a single playoff moment in the East. Tatum had 50, and that was actually pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's not like the Celtics are going to come win. It's not like the Celtics (laughs) are about to win this series. Unless Tatum can average 50. Unless Kemba Walker can look like... I don't know. Unless Kemba Walker (laughs) can look like an NBA player again. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's too small on defense. He's not aggressive enough on offense. He can't get his shot off at a high enough clip. All that. I, I'm not going to dive into what's wrong with the Celtics. We already did that last time. Uh, the the Knicks-Hawks has actually been pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk We'll talk about that later. I want to give a playoff update on the West, too. You know, I don't want to just do the East. I'd like to talk about the West because that is an absolute bloodbath. The Cavs lost two in a row at home and then won two in a row on the road. Away court advantage a la Max. And then right when the Lakers looked like they were going to go run away with their series against the Phoenix Suns, they lost two of their starters, neither of them being the starter that Devin Booker tried to injure at the end of game three. And now it's a 2-2 series. Chris Paul is down his shoulder again. We're in for a fun, fun treat there. The 18 Grizzlies stole game one from the Jazz and have made every other game competitive. Even when they're down 20 points, they still claw their way back. The Nuggets in Portland are, and the Nuggets in Portland are, uh, they're essentially in a bare knuckle boxing match at this point. Just hitting each other. And as mm-hmm. soon as you think, oh yeah, they've got it in the bag. Boom, Norman Powell has 29. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm loving the the Western Conference playoffs. That is where the fun is. And, of course, those games love to keep me up until 1 a.m. Thank you, Mm -hmm. Western Conference. Thank you, West Coast. At least the the games are great, so it's not even that hard to stay up anymore. You know, during the regular season, every once in a while, you want to stay up. You want to watch the late-night games. It's like, am I really going to stay up till 1.30 to watch this Western Conference game right now? But uh, I find myself just realizing how late it is after the game's already over because I'm just on the edge of my seat for the entire 48 minutes. I think it was game 68 for the Lakers where they were playing the New York Knicks, you know, coming into the playoff stretch. It was like midnight, and then the Lakers were down, and Contavious Caldwell Pope hit the side of the backboard on a three-pointer, and I shut the game off, and I went to bed. And the Lakers would come back and win. Mm-hmm. I, 
I was completely caught off guard, and uh, that moment will haunt me as a reason to not go to bed early. So instead, my sleep schedule suffers, and my basketball brain continues to work hard all night, every night. Mm-hmm. I figure the best place to start with our little uh, our little playoff uh, updates right now is probably with how stupid I look with the Miami Heat losing in the first round. I, I will take my lumps. Never, never say I can't. I will dish my own lumps. I, 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 I did not see this coming. <laughs> I did not see this coming for half a second. I, I am still, I am still blown away. I, I had a friend text me. He's like, "Oh, John, you know basketball, right? What would, uh, would, would this be a good game to bet on? Should I bet on? I think it was the Phoenix Suns or something." And I said, "I would never bet against LeBron James. That's just not something that I would ever feel comfortable doing." Mm-hmm. I told him, "If you want a good bet." Money line for the Heat. It was game three. Like, there's no way the Heat go down 3-0. And they lost. They were down 0-3. And I'm like, okay, okay. Now you put money line Heat. There's no way they get swept. They lost again. They got swept. I'm down in Florida. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll catch I'll catch game four. Or I'll catch game six. G- game four wasn't in the cards for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to go catch game six. Nope. <laughs> no game six to catch. No basketball games for John. No, I mean, this Miami Heat series, of course, was, I think, as much as you definitely were very confident in the Heat, you're not the only one, and I think it's it's got to be mentioned around the league. A lot of people did not expect this from the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat in this series. Like, As much as we thought the Milwaukee Bucks had gotten better and the addition of Drew Holiday may have given them a little extra in the playoffs, nobody thought the Milwaukee was coming out like this on smoke with the amount of wins. That, the wins that they were putting up in game two and three, I think they won by a combined 63 points in those two games. Like, for yeah, Miami to get outside 100. Yeah, for Miami to get beat the way they did, it was definitely shocking. There was a lot of things that need to be be addressed in that Miami Heat locker room. I think now going into the off season. Yeah, I wanted I, I wanted to talk about what went wrong for Miami, but like I think literally everything did. <laughs> I, I, Bam was still good. Um, Ariza, you know, Ariza was fine. Mm-hmm. Ariza did fine, but like he wasn't as good as Jay Crowder was. Mm-hmm. Harrow did not show up. Oladipo was injured. Drogic showed up just in time for the series to be done. Jimmy shot a worse percentage than Luca shot from the free throw line, and the you know the Bucks have actually done a great job doing the things we were worried about when the games mattered. Everything that could have gone wrong for the for the Heat did. They also mm-hmm. don't have a backup power forward. They've got Dwayne Dedman going in there, being their best player. Was a game two where he had nine points when the rest of the team had five. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, for, for this Milwaukee Bucks team, I do want to say, though, that they, they played this series really well. For as much as the Miami Heat struggled because they, they lost a lot of the depth that they needed to make a deep playoff run. and But really what we saw from Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero in this series is, is I think the effect of having a guy like Drew Holiday at the top of that defense. You know, they have a real strong guard to lead the defense and force teams out and force teams to adjust their offensive sets. This is one thing when you watch basketball, for, for those who don't watch as keenly as John and I do sometimes, one thing to really pay attention to, especially in the playoffs, is where teams start their offenses. From what spots on the floor and how far away are they from the three-point line. Because I guarantee you, if you go back and watch the Miami Heat series, probably at least 80% of their half-court possessions were started at least three to five feet behind the three-point line, deep on the wings, in the corners, in bad positions, to not be able to get good offensive looks, 
not get a good rhythm. And that comes from Drew Holiday forcing people to play full court, picking them up and pushing them out past the three-point line, giving them so much more room to move around and switch and help. It allowed Milwaukee to completely change their defense, I think. Mm -hmm. And not only did it allow Milwaukee to completely change their defense, Milwaukee did completely change their defense. <laughs> Well, something that we've been complaining about all year. I've been, I have been a lot more worried than you have been. I'll own that. Mm -hmm. It was my, I, I was really scared. You had a little more belief than me. I really didn't think that they would keep the switching. I didn't think that they'd keep. I thought they would keep dropping. I thought they'd rely on the Brolo until the Brolo take was it. no mo. I, I don't know. No mo bro. No mo Brolo. They did not though. <laughs> um, they relied Bars. on. <laughs> they relied on P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis coming in there, being aggressive, switching hard, hard defense. Yes, they still used some of the Brolo dropping stuff, but like you can't get, you can't just get rid of Brolo. You know, he was your starting center all season. He still is a very good basketball player. Mm -hmm. All in all, very. <sighs> they answered a lot of the questions. They stepped up. They changed their defense. They changed their offense. You saw the ball at the end of the games in the hands of Drew Holiday. In the overtime game, the first game, Chris Middleton had the ball. Chris mm -hmm. Middleton was their overtime closer. We've been crying about this all year. This is what needs to happen, and they did it. The ball can't be in Giannis's hand all game. They did it game one, end of the game, and guess what? They had to go to overtime, They said, and Bud was like, nope, nope. We learned our lesson. We throwing it to Chris. It worked. They won. They won four in a row off it. And off of Bryn Forbes turning into, like, I don't know, like Kyle Korver mixed with Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, Bryn Forbes, he's been a shooter. Let's not, let's not give, take too much away from him. He, he came into the league because he got a torch, but he went absolutely ballistic in this series. It is going to be interesting to see how long they can, they can ride this Bryn Forbes hot streak, how long he can keep it up, especially with the loss of Dante DiVincenzo right now. That's going to be huge for them, depending on how far they're going to make it in the playoffs. Having him not there is going to be a big loss for their defense. They're switching. They got guys they can fill in the spot, but no one that can really play that position the same way Dante does. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more big lineups, a lot more P.J. Tucker out there, a lot more Bobby Portis and maybe Brooke Lopez together. You know, like both of them can space the floor. Without Dante Chivincenzo on the floor, I expect to see a lot of size from this Milwaukee Bucks team in the next round. It's going to be, I mean... I don't want to do the breakdown of like, oh, and they're going to play the Brooklyn Nets. You know, ah, they're going to play the Brooklyn Nets. I don't want to do that mm -hmm. too much. We'll save that for another time. We, we know they're going to play the Brooklyn Nets. You know, everyone and their mother knows that the Brooklyn Nets are winning the series. If they don't, oh my goodness. I, I don't even, I don't, I can't even explain the, um, the wildness that would ensue if they don't beat the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I mean, if they don't beat the Boston Celtics. But the Brooklyn Nets, like, with DiVincenzo, it's just one more defender that you need so you can let Giannis play free safety for longer. Because mm -hmm. we're probably going to have either Middleton. You know, we're probably going to start Middleton on, like, KD. Giannis probably, like, plays a little bit of a free safety type. Or on Joe Harris. Or on Jeff Green. I don't, I don't know. Depends what starting lineup they run and where you put Brolo. And you'd have Drew Holiday and Dante DiVincenzo on the guards. Not an option anymore. <laughs> Not an option anymore. You got to have Middleton on Har on Harden because he's the bigger guy, or you got to have Middleton on Kyrie. But then Middleton can't really guard Kyrie. Mm -hmm. Giannis on KD from the jump. It's gonna be uh, gonna be something. It's gonna really play with their defense. And then I think the biggest issue isn't even just 
losing Dante DiVincenzo. It's who starts for him. Mm-hmm. Who's this? Who they don't have? They don't have three quality guards. They don't. Like, sorry, hate to say it, Jeff Teague is not a good guard. I mean, I think he's better than we saw in Boston, but he hasn't cracked the rotation. Pat, mm-hmm. Pat Connaughton is not the answer. You're going to start Bryn Forbes out there, and I just, I just just have him run around on Joe Harris, which, like, if you're comfortable with, like, you're comfortable with, you know, but the, you can't switch. You're going to yeah. switch Bryn Forbes onto James Harden. He's going to get thrown under the rim. It's going to look worse than Mikael Bridges as, as looked against LeBron all this during this Phoenix Sun series. You, you can't he's looked better than that but there's been some bad possessions there have been some bad possessions from Mikel. i love of him of course i love him i love him no he's actually done a really, he's my favorite phoenix sun right now but we'll get into that later i'm very i very much hate the phoenix suns right now oh man my rant is prepared and angry <laughs> but like you oh you got Bryn forbes on kyrie irving kyrie irving's blowing by him Bryn forbes on kd i don't even want to talk about i don't want to have to imagine that it's gonna be a real issue what 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 Milwaukee does in the next round, but they'll have a lot of time to prep. They know they're playing Brooklyn right now. They've known mm-hmm. they're playing Brooklyn since um, for a minute. They're going to be ready. They're going to have the playbook ready. They're not waiting to see if Boston can whatever. They have the tape ready. They're not waiting. You know, people talk about um, who was, I think it was like Hollinger and a couple of the other guys on uh, one of those athletic podcasts. We're talking about, Oh, and you need to have books ready. For if you know if you're the one seed, you need to have all your books ready for all the possible teams that you can play as the eight seed. There's no possible book for Brooklyn, for Boston. If Boston manages to make it to Game Seven, Brooklyn will just, uh, the the Milwaukee Bucks will just be like, okay, I guess we're winging it. We'll figure it out when Tatum shows up. Where everyone everyone guard Tatum. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, I mean, for this uh, this Milwaukee Bucks team, I don't know. You mentioned Pat Connaughton, obviously, as one of their guards. He's got the start in Game 4. Obviously, he's not a long-term solution, but at least he does provide them with a little bit more length. He's got a decent wingspan for his size, almost 6'9 wingspan for, for a guard. It's not bad. He can move around, but you're right. He definitely isn't the, the defender or the shooter that Dante DiVincenzo has been this year. Whether he can get hot for them or not will be up in the air, but... It's definitely going to be, I think, a lot more Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton at just that one-two and and just figure it out, guys, because they didn't play as many minutes in this first round. They got the virtue of a couple blowouts. They got to rest a little bit. I think we're going to see a lot of burn out of these three, like Giannis, Chris, and Drew for the next next round against Brooklyn. They're going to be upwards of 40 minutes every game, hopefully, Coach Bud. Every game. (laughs) (laughs) At Coach Bud. Uh, I don't think there's – I mean – I guess we could look more at game one for that. I think they all played heavy minutes in game one. I don't have it open right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. I want to move on to talking about um, other teams. And I would want I, w- I would want to talk about the Nets in Philly. I would want to talk about the whole Eastern Conference. But we didn't learn anything about the Nets or Philly. <laughs> we didn't learn anything about the Nets or Philly. There's nothing learned from them. Uh, the, the Nets have been completely outclassing Boston just like we all expected. It took a 50-point game from Tatum for the game to be even close. Every other game has been a joke of a game. The game where they hit two three-pointers and a half. The joke of a game. <laughs> Robert Williams had eight, had eight blocks, nine blocks, whatever it was. Joke of a game. Every game has been a joke of the game except for Tatum having 50. And it still was a grinded-out win for the Celtics. The Celtics are not winning this series barring a miracle. Philly... <laughs> Philly has been smacking the Washington Wizards left and right. No one has been able to stop them. I mean, it's just a miracle we haven't... I'm surprised we haven't seen Joel Embiid go for 40. It's probably because he doesn't need to play that much. 
Mm-hmm. I, I still do like the idea of just running cheap centers out there. I think that there is some merit to it that we're seeing right now. Maybe we'll see it a little more in the coming rounds. Because, I mean, hold up. I don't have their payrolls in front of me. But the Brooklyn Nets, are they paying anyone who plays center? They're paying DeAndre Jordan $10 million, but I don't think they're playing DeAndre Jordan. He hasn't gotten off the bench in the playoffs, I don't think. <laughs> and then the Bucks are not are barely paying P.J. Tucker. I think he's at six. Portis mm-hmm. is at their biannual, so he's like two and a half. Brolo is 12, so we'll see if Brolo's playing. When yeah. Actually, Brolo will definitely play if they're playing Philly. So I guess we're not learning that. I still like the cheap center, cheap center ideas. I think that was a great call by the Washington Wizards. And I think they've done about as good as you can expect in this series. They they were just very much outclassed. Ben Simmons is the best defender on the planet. Joel Embiid is probably one of the five or ten best defenders on the planet. Mm-hmm. No stop. Yeah, they- Matisse Thibel, another just amazing defender that they've just got in their back pocket. They can pull him out. Oh, and Danny Green, too. Oh, and Seth Curry's not bad. And, you know, we got lots of guys. And George Hill's there sometimes, I think. Like, Mm-hmm. It's true. There's not much we could take out of the Sixers-Wizards series. I mean, the Wizards, I'm sure they're happy to be in the playoffs, I guess. Bradley Beal gets some experience. Rui Hachimura is one of my favorite young guys in the league. And even though he he made sure to get out of the way on a couple of Joel Embiid slabs, he's still having a good series. (laughs) Russell Westbrook in the playoffs is always an exciting thing to watch. But we all knew this was going to happen for Philly. Like They've been absolutely just smacking the Wizards upside the head every single game. They've gone, like, Doc Rivers has gone 14 deep in two of his playoff games already, and they've only played three. You know, like, <laughs> it's a it's a certain luxury that they have, and to, to just highlight their big three, too, because a, a lot of talk has been made of the Brooklyn Nets big three of how they've been going off against the Celtics. Like, Joel is averaging 29 a game, shooting 71% on two-point shots and 54.5 on threes and 87 from the line, like, on 28 minutes a game, Joel Embiid's going absolutely nuts on the Wizards right now. Tobias Harris is 25 a game on, again, like 60, 45, 100 splits. Like, it's absolutely nuts what these guys are doing. Even Ben Simmons is like 14, just a hair under 11 and 10 for the game and shooting 64 on his twos. Like, the, the Philadelphia 76ers have gotten themselves in a groove, and I think that's just the most important for this playoffs. Like For this series, they've gotten their rhythm. Their shooters are hitting shots. Danny Green, 60% from three. George Hill is 60% from three. Like There's guys that are just filling filling up buckets all over the floor. The Sixers are looking hot right now, so they're I'm sure they're excited to go look at the winner of that 4-5 that seed and say, whoever you want to be, come deal with Joel, because nobody else has found an answer yet. <laughs> And speaking of the winner of that 4-5 series, we've got the Hawks and the Knicks, both of which, I mean, the Hawks have Capella. That might that might do something, but the Knicks, the Knicks just. <laughs> I'm going to say it loud and proud because I don't think it just applies to if they play Embiid. They, it applies right now. Mm-hmm. Free Nerlens Noel! Free Nerlens Noel! He is so much better than Todd Gibson. Todd Gibson has one foot in retirement why is he starting in the playoffs? I I don't get it. He's <sighs> I don't get it, Tibbs. What are you doing? I I think we all fell under this illusion of Tibbs because of of who Tibbs was because of how good the Knicks were this year. But we forgot what we've learned over the last ten years, fifteen years of watching Tom Thibodeau coach 
whether it was an mm-hmm. assistant in Boston or the head coach in Chicago or the head coach in Minnesota. We, we know who this man is. He, he overuses his stars. He relies on his guys. He trusts his guys, not the new guys. Uh, Derrick Rose is already cooked because Tim's played him for like 40 minutes game two and made him do everything game two, and they got a win. Congratulations. You won one game in the playoffs. Todd Gibson does not belong on a basketball court for more than 14 minutes. Yeah. I mean, Taj, I, he's he's working hard out there, man. As much as it's definitely doesn't he's working, on the but floor. It, it don't matter. <laughs> he's doing no, his was working. Best. I mean, for Nerlens, I the last I saw, he was still he still might be on a minutes restriction. So it actually, you might have to call that up with the assistant coaches. That might not, not even be on Tibbs right now because he got a little ankle something or other. But it's true. If the Knicks want to win this game, win this series, have any shot. You gotta forget the minutes restriction for Nerlens Noel right now. Like I don't know how bad his ankle is, but if he's able to play 30 minutes, he needs to be playing at least 30 minutes. There's no way that you can ask Taj Gibson to deal with a guy like Clint Capella on a nightly basis for a seven-game series and expect to win. First of all, I love the intensity and the rivalry between these two big market cities. There's nothing like the NBA, nothing they like more than seeing New York and Atlanta really start developing a little bit of a rivalry between them. Unfortunately for the Knicks, it actually seems to be the Knicks fans who are a little bit more upset about these losses than the Knicks players right now. Because Julius Randle has just been god-awful in these playoffs. Oh my god. And I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to have to like lock himself in a gym and take a long break from the internet after this series. Because he has been atrocious for the Knicks right now. He, he makes last year's Pascal Siakam look like, <laughs> look like this year's <laughs> LeBron James. <laughs> no, for real. I think... Like, if you look at his numbers, just his straight face value, he's giving you 17, 11, and 4. And you're like, okay, that's, Unlike that's good from Julius shooting. Randle. <laughs> and then you realize he's shooting 24.5% on two-point field goals. I was joking. Not even his threes. 24.5 on twos. He's hitting about 3 for 12 on his mid-range shots or his layups. And only getting two offensive rebounds a night. You're missing nine two-point-plus shots a night and you only get two boards. It's just unacceptable. Like you gotta at least go follow that shot. You gotta know what's missing and go get it. There's something wrong about Julius Randle in this series, and it it just can't be Clint Capella. You know, like there's no way that DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, and John Collins can cause you to shoot this poorly. They're not good enough defenders individually in their own right. Julius Randle has just disappeared in this playoff series, and he's gonna really need to turn it around if they have any shots to get back into it. I don't think there's a single defender in the NBA that could that is worth dropping your two-point field goal percentage to 28%. I don't think there is a single defender in the NBA that is that good. I, I, I can't think of one. I cannot, I cannot plan one. I cannot think of one. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. With, yeah, this Julius Randle thing has been absolutely horrible to watch. And I love Julius, but like, again, it's where Tibbs gets stuck in his ways. I would love to see Randall doing more of what he used to do. Mm-hmm. Randall more in a pick and roll. Randall more without the ball in his hands. You you don't need to put the ball in your best player's hands. You can keep it out of their hands and put them in easier scoring situations. It's an issue. It, it just because just because they can do more doesn't mean they need to do more. You've got other options. You've got Alec Burks, who was a baller. Derrick Rose, who is a baller. 
RJ Barrett, who has been balling. You got all these guys who have been playing their butts off. Give it to them. Let, mm. let them hold the ball. Let Julius Randle be in a pick and roll. The defense is going to be terrified. They're like, oh, wait, we got Julius Randle who could be a short roll threat. We're not used to that. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, we need to watch Julius Randle, and the defense sucks in. And, oh, we got an open man across the court. Whip it across. Manual quickly, wide open, corner three. Money every time. Yeah, let Julius Randle set a couple screens, slip one or two, and then all of a sudden the defense is completely collapses back to the paint. It's discombobulated. that's what I'm talking about with Tibbs he gets stuck in his ways and I mean he is a way smarter coach way smarter basketball mind than me don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but he's very stuck in his ways and it's coming up and paying out badly right now Mm -hmm. and it it always has for Thibodeau to be fair I think we we mentioned it during the season but Tom Thibodeau is a regular season coach for the most part because he does stick to his guns and plays his guys and doesn't really make the adjustments in the playoffs that you would want your coach to make that being said his guy Derek Rose is actually putting this team on his back right now playing like 37 minutes a night, which is over 10 a night more than he was in the regular season. And he's shooting 51, 50, 100 in this series right now. Like he's actually doing everything he can to get the New York Knicks into the second round, averaging 23, 5, and 4, only two turnovers. And it's just not getting anything from anyone else. You mentioned R.J. Barrett. He's playing well, but he's, he's taking a step back from his regular season. It's still not even as good as he was in his in, during the regular season. So he's got to be better. Alec Burks has been a great scorer for them, but it's just they're not filling in the spots where they need to be successful. They lost Mitchell Robinson at the late end of the season. We're unable to really pick up any other bigs to fill in that rotation, and it's it's showing that they really don't have anyone to go get them an easy bucket at the rim or just easy rebounds so they can get offensive rebound looks. That's the, one of the ways you score the easiest three-pointers and the easiest points in the NBA is you get an offensive board, you swing the ball off of it, and you get a nice look, and the Knicks just don't get any of that. How many teams in the league right now do you think could use Gorgie Jang? Like in the playoffs right now. Off the top Mi- of my head, like at least six. Like- Miami's out. Miami definitely could have. The Knicks could have. Mm-hmm. Um, Celtics. The Celtics. Celtics. Celtics definitely could have. And that's just Eastern Conference teams. The, <laughs> yeah. the Wizards could have. Again, mm-hmm. just Eastern Conference teams. I, I don't even want to go. I don't even need to look at the West. That's, there's four Eastern Conference playoff teams that could have used Gorgie Jang. And I love Gorgie, but come on, man. Why'd you sign to the Spurs? <laughs> yeah, I their mean, own. And let me say, I, I just talked. We talked a lot about the Knicks right there. The, the Hawks are the ones who are up 3-1 in this series. Oh, yeah. The Hawks have been playing great ball. And to their credit, and a lot to the credit of Nate McMillan, I think, because he's done a fantastic job. He's 30-12 and 12 as their head coach since he took over. Like, that is the best winning percentage in the NBA right now, period. No team has won as many games as that, like, in that stretch. So, Nate McMillan has done a fantastic job. And defensively, it really shows. They're moving really well. I don't know where Danilo Gallinari learned to move his feet like that. But Nate McMillan must have shown him something that got him shimmying because I've never seen Gallo slide the way he's been sliding on Julius Rattle in this series. I think a little bit of it is just that defenders are so caught off guard that someone would willingly give themselves that hairstyle and it slows them down. <laughs> we love you, Danilo. What the <laughs> heck is on your head, dude? For real. But I, mean, I, do think, I do think, like, yes, credit to Nate McMillan. Big credit to Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Big credit to Trey Young. I, I, 
I am so impressed with how he's done. And I'm a, I have always been a Trey Young believer. You can go back. You can check. You can check the tape. I have always been a Trey Young believer. I love his mm-hmm. game. I love his passing ability. I love his scoring ability. I, I did. I was worried about the issues going on in the locker room, but hey, they solved themselves enough to get through here where we are. I thought that was on Lloyd Pierce also more than anything, but he's gone. Trey mm-hmm. Young is turning up. Trey Young silenced. <laughs> I love Trey Young silenced. Um, Silence Madison Square Garden, and then they came back with Trey is balding chance. Didn't stop him. Didn't stop him. Up three mm-hmm. one. Going back to MSG. I'm wondering what kind of creative stuff that they've got planned out for. Is it tomorrow night? Is it the night after? Hold up. I got. I got the schedule. Right I think here. it's the night after, but it could actually be tomorrow night. No, tomorrow is tomorrow. We will get to watch Celtics Nets, Blazers Nuggets, and Lakers Suns at 10 p.m. Oh my god. Is it time for me to start yelling to start my rant yet? <laughs> no, let me talk we'll about Trey. Wednesday we'll get Hawks next. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say let me let me just give Trey Young his praises as well. One Keep of the things I, I really please. have enjoyed about him in these playoffs is one of the things that I didn't really expect. I don't know if anyone expected from him is he's shooting like three less free throws a game in the playoffs now. Like he is shooting way more actual jump shots and way less drawing fouls than he was in the regular season. And I think it's led to a lot of the Atlanta Hawks' success just because it keeps the ball moving. It gets so many guys more touches, and it keeps so much more fluidity to the game that all these catch-and-shoot guys, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, although he's more than a catch-and-shoot, Danilo Gallinari, even Tony Snell. Like, when you get so many more touches of the ball and you can just swing it, get it back, swing it, get it back, Trey Young gets to the paint, kicks it out instead of drawing free throws. It allows the team to get in such a nice rhythm that they just keep scoring so well against this Knicks team who's one of like literally the best defensive teams in the regular season have been almost unable to stop the Atlanta Hawks for the most part. Like they slow them down, but they only slow them down to the same amount that they're still losing. You know, like you can't be a great defensive team if you're still losing the game while you slow down a team. So I think it's been absolutely amazing to see what he's been doing. And I hope he he keeps getting his team in check like this. They've been playing really well. He seems to be a great leader. And I mean, we we said it after game, game one, he is not the guy to mess with in terms of just chats and jeers at MSG. You guys, Madison Square Garden, be careful on Wednesday night. If you go off too much, Trey Young might just give you 60. Like, I would love to see that. That would make I would be such a happy camper watching Trey Young go off like that. Mm. So I want to talk about the Clippers, but I think I'm 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 angry. We're gonna talk about the Lakers. We're gonna talk about the Lakers and the Suns. I alluded to it earlier. I am salty. I, I am so salty. I, I am so The Phoenix Suns have gone from, gone from a fun team to cheer for to, wow, can these guys start playing basketball and stop wrestling? An over-exaggeration, I know, but oh my god, the refs are killing me in this series. Booker has gotten so many touch. Chaz is going to come back and tell me Anthony Davis has gotten touch fouls too. Mm. <clears throat> Devin Booker is getting, uh, the end of, what was it, game two? Where Booker, every shot he got at the during the last three minutes was free throws. Ridiculous. The entire seri- series of this free throws is ridiculous. The no flagrant on the Jay Crowder grab of LeBron James driving to the hoop. Ridiculous. That should have been an F2. He should have been. That was unnecessary, excessive, and was not targeting the ball. That should have been out of the game. Nothing from the league on D-Book's push on De- Dennis Schroeder. Mm. That was that was that was egregious. That was absolutely egregious. The fact that there was nothing said about it. 
blew me away. I, I, I'm going to say right now, I do not know how I'm going to sit through a 10 p.m. Lakers-Suns game with all the whistles that are going to be going off. I am not emotionally ready to be up until 2, p, 2 a.m. listening to the Tony brothers whistle, 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 or whoever, Scott Foster, whoever showing up. And then mm-hmm. Chris Paul will have the audacity to be like, Oh man, you know, we lose 11 in a row with Scott Foster. You lost by 20, dude. I watched your fourth quarter offense. You stunk. You stunk. You couldn't shoot. You couldn't shoot. Jay Crowder is two for 20. Scott Foster didn't do that. Scott Foster isn't playing defense. This, mm-hmm. it's, you want to complain about the refs? Hit your shots. You're down 20. Check the scoreboard. Not um, mm, angry, 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 angry. But I'm gonna sing some praises before Chad starts fighting back my anger. <laughs> DeAndre Aiden has been amazing. DeAndre mm-hmm. Aiden has been an absolute revelation. And um, look, obviously he'll never come out of the shadow that is Luka Doncic went third. But you know he's kind of he kind of avoided it because Marvin Bagley went second, and Marvin Bagley has been. <laughs> Rough around the edges. H- hasn't nicely. had a good time in Sacramento. No, sure. and I love. I'm, uh, this is a very pro Marvis, pro Bagley podcast. Don't get us mm-hmm. wrong. Anyone who's listening to the tape ever, we're very pro Bagley. We very much think he needs a new situation. Um, <laughs> but he's actually like looking like, oh hey, he might be a real player. He might be a real hooper. We might be good with. We might be good with this. You know. Maybe mm-hmm. it's fine we didn't take the risk on Devin on uh, Luka Doncic. We've got DeAndre Aiden. He fits really well with Devin Booker. He fits really well with Chris Paul. He's putting up 20 a game on Deand- on Andre Drummond's head top. Uh, it's it's pretty it's it's on like what? Is he shooting like 80% from the field or something? Something like that, man. He's... I, I know I was like, "Oh, he's not prime Shaq." No, no, he's not prime Shaq, but I mean prime Dwight Howard last episode. He's not prime Dwight Howard, but he's been playing more than legit he Mm -hmm. other than like Joel Embiid he might be having the best playoffs of any of the centers in the league like he's going off I I like him more than Rudy Gobert (laughs) absolutely Um, that doesn't take much for me though I'm so anti-Gobert after that (laughs) after that flop on the baseline I'm so anti-Gobert yeah I used to be so pro-Gobert so it's it it, it was uh it it hurt me it hit me where I live man I hurt me um (laughs) Yeah, D.A., DeAndre Ayton's been absolutely outstanding for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, if you talk about one of the things that's really hurt them in this series, I think, too, is the lack of depth that they have at that center position. He's been forced to play, like, almost 40 minutes a night, but he's been giving them good minutes, like, almost the entire time he's out there. Offensively, he's finishing at the rim really well. Obviously, he's still a little young. There's some things you'd like to change about his game. What... Many, many times I see him try to lay it up with one or two hands when it's like, okay, big fella, just go put the ball in the rim, please. Like, yeah. stop just stop just floating it off the glass. Like, you can just dunk the ball next time. Thank you very much. It'll go in for sure. But like uh, he's been... feet tall with an eight-foot wingspan. Like, dude, you barely need to jump. Like, like just put it in the rim, please. Like, put it in. Just put it in. Don't be cute. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But he's been amazing. I think defensively, he still obviously has some steps to take in terms of being a, a top of the center, all NBA level big man. But right now, he's shown that he's well on that path. I mean, he's switching better. He's moving his feet. He doesn't really have the hands or the blocks to get to to where he needs to be as a defensive player. But he's been outstanding for them. His positioning on defense has been a one. 
Mm-hmm. The, the amount that he affects the game when he is just on the floor guarding Andre Drummond <laughs> is ridiculous. Because he's... And I, I mentioned guarding Andre Drummond because he has been completely invisible when he's guarding Mark Gasol because Mark Gasol drives him outside and da 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 Well, I'll jump into that in a second. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on his position. His positioning has been insane and has changed the way that the Lakers can play offense. Because Mikhail Bridges can totally guard LeBron if he knows, okay, if I get beat, I got DeAndre Ayton behind me, and oh no, Andre Drummond might get a dunk. Like, Andre, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Is Andre Drummond even going to catch the pass? Like, we'll be fine. Just just, just hope it's not a lob. We'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, lobs were, you know, that lob threat is where it comes in. You saw, what was it, five lobs in game two? Something insane like that, At or least. game three? Having DeAndre Ayton in the paint. Guarding Andre Drummond is huge. And that's why I think Frank Vogel, it's time to glue him to the bench. <laughs> I know he has done better. I know. I know he had a sweet block. I know he had a funny little highlight when he was doing the same post-up as LeBron James. I know. I know. Don't get me wrong. He has no value without Anthony Davis there. None. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. And... In the playoffs, in the regular season, obviously you want him to get reps. Da, 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 don't get me wrong, I'm not crazy. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. We're not talking regular season basketball. This is not regular season basketball. This is the NBA playoffs. DeAndre Eaton is eating him alive on every possession. You no longer have Anthony Davis because he's out. He's gonna be out game five. What I'm hearing, mm-hmm. I, I kind of hope he's out game five. I think I. I not that I hope. I kind of hope he gets the day off. You know, I yeah. think he needs some time. Let him sit game five. I think the Lakers can win game five without him, honestly. If Vogel just sits there and says, all right, we're going playoff mode early. Put in Marc Gasol at the five. Hear this Mm. out. Hear this out. In the fourth quarter, when uh, Marc Gasol came on the floor, so he was the five and LeBron was the four. The Lakers Mm -hmm. had an over 150 offensive rating. At that point, the number doesn't even matter. I don't care if it's 150.1 <laughs> or 166. It's the same at that point. It is just astronomically high, which goes back to what I was saying about DeAndre Aiden's positioning. Having him out of the paint opens up all these driving lanes. So, okay, J- so Jay Crowder has to do these hard, disgusting, dirty fouls on LeBron James. Jay Crowder has to hit him. Jay Crowder mm-hmm. has to be fouling LeBron from the start. Because there's no more help. Because Marc Gasol has driven, pulled him out. And Marc Gasol is shooting, I think, 110% on threes. <laughs> Basically, it feels like it, honestly. If you're watching, mm-hmm. anytime he's gotten a clean look. For, every time he gets a clean look, it feels like he gets it. Not even like a wide open. Just like, oh, I get to set my feet, catch it, and then shoot it. I don't have the clock winding down. I don't have to rush my shot. Boom, it's in. Every single time, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Playoff Marc Gasol is real. Don't forget it, people. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's time to put that out there, get that playmaking around LeBron, bring bring in Marc Gasol at the start, and then Harold for every minute, other minute. I like Andre Drummond, but where is his value if he's not on the floor with LeBron James and Dennis Schroeder? He can't create his own offense. He can't. He's not. He's not that good a rebounder. Just he's a, a great body. rebounder. He's a great rebounder, but he gets rebounds that are free rebounds. He he picks he stack pads. He he grabs free rebounds. You know, we used to give Westbrook trouble for that, but when Westbrook does it, he starts a fast break. When Drummond does it, the offense slows down. 
Harold can at least go get baskets, which is what is going to be needed. This Lakers team, I don't think anyone scored more. No starter scored more than 10 last game except for LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Mind you, one starter went down. So that does make it a little harder. And they're still missing KCP. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think it's Harold time off the bench. See what he can do, especially if Aiden's off the floor. Especially if mm-hmm. they're running Saric or if they're running Crowder small or, or if they're whatever they're running. Or Frank Kaminsky comes out, especially if Frank Kaminsky comes out. It's Harold time. It's Harold time. It's Kuzma Harold big big combo. Mm-hmm. About that time. And even without, if AD hadn't been out, if AD isn't out, cause I think he is still questionable day to day, most likely going to miss game five, though. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it's surprising that we haven't seen Montrez Harrell. I think in the last two games he's gotten coached DNPs, especially with just what Andre Drummond brings to the floor. It's, there, there is something good there, but I think Montrez Harrell, we can't forget, is, is one year removed from being runner up, sixth man of the year. And if anything yeah, else. He won. Schroeder oh, he was won. Up. He beat they, out Schroeder. They're on the same team now, so they might as well have both lost. But, <laughs> but Montrezl Harrell, I think one of the things that he really brings that the Lakers don't have in another big, because even AD doesn't like to do it, is just bang down low. You know, like someone is just to go give DeAndre Ayton like four spin moves in the post, and how many of them are he's going to defend without fouling? Because that's going to be a big key for the Lakers if AD is going to be out, is can we get DA in foul trouble so LeBron can get to the rim? Because with DeAndre Ayton in the game and no Anthony Davis, it's hard for LeBron to get to the rim. And people are giving LeBron his crap. They're saying, oh, LeBron's being too passive. LeBron's being too soft. Have you not watched LeBron for the last, like, 15 years of the playoffs? Like, he literally gets the same criticism every single year. And it's just, like, it's only game four. It's only game three. LeBron knows that, okay, game five, six, seven, yeah, I'll need to do more for my team to win. But for now, like, he's taking his easy looks. He's making sure that everyone gets good spots. And the Lakers just aren't helping him. There's two guys on this Lakers team averaging two or more made threes a game. You know who they are? LeBron James and Marc Gasol. Like, <laughs> no one not named LeBron James has made more than six threes in this entire series for the Lakers. He's getting, he's not getting any help. Like, Alex Caruso is doing the most he can. I think he's probably like their next best percentage three-point shooter. I didn't even write him down because they were all in like the 10s and the 20s. You know, like Kyle Kuzma is shooting below 20% from three right now. Kyle Caruso's at like, like 2% from the field. <laughs> Caruso's at like 31%. LeBron's really not getting the help he needs out of this Lakers team. Even Dennis Schroeder, like he's shooting like 37, 38, but only taking four a game. He's not really playing there. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day. It almost looks like Dennis Schroeder's playing to get a contract next year, not playing for the Lakers to win this season. Because he doesn't look like he's playing within the scheme as much, which I won't give him that much. I think he'll change a little bit more. It was more in game one and two, when I do think Frank Vogel probably gave him the reins to be like, you know what, go do what you want, because LeBron's going to chill. you know. But now, Dennis Schroeder's really going to need to fit into that system and be a catch-and-shoot guy and be a drive threat for LeBron if AD's not going to be there. Because right now, he's getting no help. And this Phoenix Suns team is going to be hard to beat with home court. you got to win two out of the next three. One of them, at least, looks like without Anthony Davis. It's not the easiest matchup in the world. Because even Devin Booker is having a good numbers series. He's not shooting particularly well since game one. So you expect him to come back and have a good game at some point, just like the Lakers expect to shoot at some point. I'm just excited for games five, six, and seven. It should be an absolute bloodbath in the series. You know who's shooting? Who's actually okay? 
Mark Gasol is shooting 60% from three, mm-hmm. which is insanity. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder is shooting 37.5. LeBron is shooting 32. Caruso, 30.8. Everyone else below below 30. Oh, except for... Uh, Except for Ben McLemore, who's one of two. Yeah. Or is he two of four? Whatever it is. And, I mean, I didn't have enough time to to go look at all LeBron's past playoff teams because there's about 28 different rosters I would need to check to just see how many, how they're shooting. But, like, this has got to be one of the worst shooting series from LeBron's teammates in a long time, at least since the Cleveland days and probably the early Cleveland days. I I think even the 2018 team, J.R. Smith was shooting, like, 40-plus percent from three. Like, this literally might be the worst LeBron shooting team ever. But... I'm never gonna bet against LeBron James in a first round series. They could be down. They could be down in the in Game Seven. They could be down in Game Six. They could lose. It'd be down in Game Six, and I'm still not betting against LeBron James in a first mm-hmm. round series until he loses one. And, and that's, I mean, one thing that is one thing that we still have to see is how healthy is Chris Paul. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we have to see how healthy is how healthy is Anthony Davis. How healthy is the binary Mamba, Cantavius Caldwell Pope. <laughs> All ones and zeros, baby. I love you, KCP. He had the best. He had the best one zero point game of all time in that first game of the series. Just want to put that out there, or the second game. Mm-hmm. Want to put that out there. But it is is Chris Paul's game yesterday a flash in the pan, or is mm-hmm. he back? Did he reaggravate something, or or is he back and healthy now? We'll have to see. That's going to be really big. That is going to be huge, especially because he definitely looked off for those first few games. Mm-hmm. I saw him hit the, I think his second fadeaway. You know, he's off one foot right, right post fadeaway that he loves to shoot in the midi. He hit that. They call a timeout, and I see him talking to the camera on his way back, saying, "I'm back." He obviously has to do that stuff. Is his shoulder 100%? Definitely not. And I don't think it's going to get much better than how it looked right now for the rest of the series. So it is going to be a big question. I think at this point. Both fan bases have had enough blown calls and injuries in this series that no matter what, neither team will have thought they lost fairly. Yep. Neither team will have admit they truly got beat. The fact of the matter is, AD is not going to be there. Chris Paul missed time. The refs have blown so many whistles in this series that whoever gets out of here is honestly like the most likely to go to the, what, like the NBA Finals out of the West at this point. Like These assuming, two teams are battling the refs it out. get any better at the yeah. of this round. Uh, you, you mentioned shoulder injuries. Um, I was going to try and link that to Luca, but I actually think he has a neck injury. Mm-hmm. I want to move on to the Clippers. Hey, Chris uh, Paul might have a neck injury too. Fuck. I don't even know, man. He's just, he's old. Yeah. <laughs> he's just an old man. I, I'm so, I am 22 years old. I'm pretty athletic. I'm pretty in shape. You know, I'm, I'm, I've got a good body fat percentage. My legs are strong. If I play basketball too much, I ache. <laughs> what the heck is going on in LeBron James's, Chris Paul's, all these old man's bodies? How did Vince Carter do it last year? I don't get it. I don't mm-hmm. get it. All right. People counted out the Clippers way too early in this series. Way too early. After game two, you saw memes. You saw everyone's getting fired. Everyone's going home. All this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. Raptors fans were talking the most. And I loved it. I loved it all. I loved it all. Don't get me wrong. I loved reading it. I loved it. But I knew this was still a series. Okay? This mm-hmm. is the best roster on paper in the playoffs. Without a doubt. 
They are the mm-hmm. best roster on paper. No question. Ty Lu is supposed to be one of the 10 best coaches in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't have a, I have never, I have not made a coach's power ranking. I do not know where he would actually fall. I am pretty certain he's outside of my top seven, but he is definitely within my top 15. So mm-hmm. I say top 10 is not outrageous to say. This is still the best roster in the in the entire playoffs. They, they lost Serge Ibaka, which does hurt them a bit, but I still think I still think they're the best roster in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about what has been the biggest change for the Clippers since going down 0-2. Their new big three. Rondo, Batum, and Terrence Mann. You beat me to it. I was going to say that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to read you some... Uh, I'm going to read you some numbers from game two and some numbers from game three. Mm. 23. Game two, you got 23 and 22. Mm-hmm. Game three, you got six and 11. Mm-hmm. You know what those numbers are? Patrick Beverly and Ivica Zubak's minutes respectively. Beverly played 23 minutes in game two. Zubak played 22. Beverly played six minutes in game three. Zubak played 11. You want to know Why? Because they're the worst guys at guarding Luka by far. They can't do anything on him. Mm-hmm. Pat, Bev, Pat Bev's been tricking y'all, man. He's just out there running around. He don't play defense. Not on guys like that. <laughs> Luka threw him. He's talking trash in his Eastern European accent. He's too little. I can't do an Eastern European accent whatsoever. He's too little. No, nothing. Beverly's embarrassed. Every time Zubak gets switched on to Luka Doncic, it feels like whatever happens, it's going in. It's 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 just it's madness. It is madness. Mm-hmm. They're they're cooking. He is Luka is just out there cooking everybody. You replace those minutes. Look, a lot of people have been getting those minutes. The main recipients: Reggie Jackson, Ray John Rondo. Nick Batum got the starting spot. Mm-hmm. Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann has been the guy on this Clippers team. He has done all the dirty work. He has done all the locking up on defense. He moves the ball. He gets steals. He pressures ball handlers. He doesn't scare. He's not scared of anybody. He lays his body out. He throw, He jumps. He shoots. He does everything. He does everything. He's out there just doing whatever the team needs. To the best of his abilities. Mm-hmm. And that's what this Clippers team needed. They needed that hustler. They needed that heart. They also needed Mark, Marcus Morris to start hitting his threes again, which he, he has done for these last two games. <laughs> he, he, he has started to hit his shots again. But they mm-hmm. needed Terrence Mann out there to be like, hey, I am the heart and soul of this Clippers team, and uh, we're not losing. And obviously, Kawhi Leonard shooting 80% from the field for the last two games has helped a lot too. <laughs> This Clippers team basically just kicked it up a gear. Mm-hmm. A, a gear that I didn't know if they had or not. And to couple that, the Mavericks have fallen back like four gears. They're not hitting any shots. Kristaps Christoph's for Kingus, getting Kingus. as many rebounds as I could get. I, I, I am watching, I, you know, like, I'm watching him play and I'm like, I could do that. Fun I fact. could miss threes and make $30 million. Fun NBA fact for you guys today. Kemba Walker, listed at six foot, probably 5'11", 
Christos Porzingis, listed at 7-3, both are averaging the same amount of defensive rebounds right now. <laughs> although although Kristaps did do better in Game 4 with the rebounding, I will give him a little bit of a pass. He had a much better Game 4 than he's had. Just in time mm -hmm. for Luka's body to start falling apart from carrying this team so hard. <laughs> and Hardaway mm -hmm. Jr. has been playing well. Yes, everyone needs to step it up a bit. Everyone. Yep. Top to bottom. This has been a mess. I don't know what's happened these last two games. I'm hoping that the extra day of arrest will help Luka come together a little better. But... If Luca stays this injured, if Luca can't hit any free throws, it's mm -hmm. gonna be a long series. I mean, a long series. I mean, a long series for the Dallas Mavericks getting slapped upside the head for another two games before they get sent home. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you touched on a lot there. Uh, let me take it back to the Clippers for a second. Go for it. Kawhi Leonard, first and foremost, has been on like a different planet since he got to Dallas. Something about Kawhi in Texas. He just loves playing there in the playoffs, I guess, because. I mean, I'm watching game four the other night, and Kawhi is like eight for eight in the first half again, because I guess his new thing is that he just doesn't miss until like five minutes are left in the first half, because that's what he's been doing in Dallas. And I'm looking around, and I'm just like, wow, it must suck to be a Raptors fan right now. <laughs> it just must be terrible, because you're watching this guy go out here and go absolutely ballistic on the Dallas Mavericks. Like, there is no slowing down Kawhi Leonard to a, at, like, not even close. Like, Maxi Kleber is in front of him, but then he's just not anymore. Like, it's just not happening for him. Kawhi's putting up, like, 33 on, like, 63, 48, 88 right now in this series. Unreal numbers. He's shooting 69% on two-point shots. The only real concern I have is him and Paul George are both at almost 40 minutes a game right now. And and for T. Lou, at a team that wants to go deep in the playoffs, it's hard to run guys 40 minutes if you're going to go three, four series deep and try to win 16 games in these playoffs. Especially someone like Kawhi Leonard, who has a degenerative knee disorder, that the more he plays, the more it's going to slow him down. And we watched that. We mm -hmm. saw it just two years ago when he was on when he was on the Toronto Raptors as he made, made his way to the finals. He was limping his way to the finals. Yes, mm. he was still getting it done. But he couldn't defend anything by the time he hit the finals. Kevin Durant going down was a miracle for them because Kawhi Leonard couldn't stay in front of him. Kawhi Leonard couldn't stay in front of anybody. They needed Van Vliet. They got, I mean, look, obviously, like, every championship has luck. I'm not calling this an, that, them an Asterix championship. Don't get me I would never do that. No. But they got really lucky with those injuries because Kawhi Leonard was not able to keep that defensive intensity up. Mm. If you're burning them out right now in round one, who do they face round two? They face the winner of Jazz Grizzlies? Mm-hmm. I, I believe they can still win that. But if you're still playing in 40 minutes a game, they're not beating whoever makes yeah. that finals. I guess that's, uh, I, I guess there is a road for Portland to make the finals. I, um, we might have to append our playoff X factors episode because there is a road. There is most definitely a road. Um, mm -hmm. uh, can I use this to transfer over to the trailblazers? Do you have anything more to throw in on the Clippers? Uh, quickly on the Clippers, I just want to say Paul George got a lot of slander, like you said, in Game 1 and 2 with the rest of the Clippers. He's turned it up a bunch. He's, He's looked a lot better in Game 3 and Game he, 4. He also didn't look that bad in Game 1 and 2. I just want to put it out there. Yeah, he, he didn't great. look bad. He didn't look he just, great, but he didn't look bad. This isn't, mm -hmm. this isn't the bubble. Like... He definitely didn't look bad. It was just his shot wasn't falling. It's still he's only shooting like thirty percent from three in this series, which is obviously they wanted more. But he's shooting fifty from the field, sixty-two on twos, and ninety-five from the line, 
We'll take the 30% because his handle looks tight. He's moving really well defensively again. And he's getting out in transition, which is I think is a huge important, huge factor for the Slippers team. Is Paul George is like 6'9", 6'10". Just go get it off the window and go down the floor with it. You have so many shooters with you. You should have guys run in the lane and go to the rim or kick it to a shooter. I think he's been great. You mentioned the rest of the Clippers. they just done a good job at settling down in the series and executing. They went down 2-0. And all credit to them. Don't know who it was. Terrence Mann was the guy on the floor. Don't know what it was in their locker room that got them back into it. But they've gotten back into where they need to be. To, they look dominant. Like, they look like one of the best teams in the NBA right now, if not the best. Rondo, like we've said before, absolutely fantastic. Nick Batum, unreal. I just wanted to highlight from Nick Batum, he's playing 28 minutes a night and averaging half of a turnover. Like, that's an unreal. And Rondo himself is averaging six assists, a steal and a half a steal and a half and only a turnover and a half a night. It's a lot of consistent veteran minutes that they're getting. They're cherishing their possessions and the Clippers are locking in. Meanwhile, Luka's worst shooting percentages from the free throw line right now. So that's something that the Mavericks are going to want to address. Like, <laughs> that actually reminds me of a thing that I almost missed. I wanted to t- talk about this a lot. The a big, a big adjustment that they made that the Clippers made is by running only people who can guard Luka. So they're running Nick Batum and Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, and Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo has been locking up in the post mm-hmm. on Luka, which I did not expect to see. I did not expect to see at all. But he's been doing a great job. Obviously not perfect, but a great job. Reggie Jackson has been trying his absolute hardest. They're getting it done. And yep. then Rick Carlisle notices that, tries to counter with Boban Marjanovic, brings back Zub- So Ty Lue has to bring back Zubak. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm worried about the Mavericks. Because Luka was injured, he was not able to take Zubak the way he was able to do it games one to three. Slowed him down. I do think Mm -hmm. it's something to worry about. I'm hoping that this big rest will get Luka back. And I would love to see the Boban Marjanovic trump card come back out because we love some Bobby. Mm -hmm. That's that's all I have on the Clippers. my, My fun little noticing thing. Uh, yeah. Do we want to talk Portland? I don't think there's a lot to talk about in Portland. I don't want to delve into it too much because I feel like a lot of what we said the last episode still stands. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Portland will be able to over-adjust compared to the Nuggets. I think it's a, game, a series of adjustments. I think you need to be better than the Nuggets to beat them because of Nikola Jokic. Because Nikola Jokic existing is an adjustment. <laughs> Every time he's on the floor, it's an adjustment because there's no way to guard him. So mm-hmm. when you make an adjustment... He's adjusting to your adjustment, no matter what, because he's just that much smarter than everybody. Yep. He's just a genius. He's doing just it me. on a level that no one else can do. So, okay, adjustment. All right, he adjusts. You might win a game here. You might win a game there. But I'm going to tell you right now, every game that Porter Jr. and Jokic have both scored 20, they've won. Mm. It, it's definitely going to be a... I'm excited, man. Like we said, there's a lot of... It's throwing out deuces in this Western Conference right now. It's a bunch of 2-2 series, so it's essentially just best of threes. You know, you win two out of the next three and get out of here. So for this Nuggets team, Jokic is a force that the Portland Trailblazers have no idea how to slow down. They have literally no answers to it. They go out there and they're just like, I, I hope we're going to score more today. And... Sadly, I think that could honestly get them through this round because they have enough guys to shoot that pill and score the ball where it's like, okay, Denver, keep scoring, but like, 
if Austin Rivers is going to beat us, we'll lose to Austin Rivers. Like, <laughs> you know, like they'll they'll give up those shots to Faku, to Austin Rivers, to Aaron Gordon, and and live on those and try to just double, triple Jokic. Because if you can get it out of his hands and just force him to be a passer, like his teammates have still got to hit shots. He's going to hit them in the hands. He's going to get them in open spots. But if they don't have the talent to get out there to get the shots down, this this Nuggets team, I don't know if they'll be able to get through this Portland series. I think the Blazers have a great chance just because of the way that Norm Powell turned up. You know, like Damian Lillard is someone who I believe can, if his team needs him to go out and get 40, he'll go get 40. And then CJ also at 25. Norm Powell get 20. All of a sudden, you got Melo and Ant off the bench combining for 25. And that's like 130 points right there. You know, like this Portland team, these last three games, I think we're going to see a lot of scoring out of this series. It's going to be some, some 1970s, 1980s Denver Nuggets, you know, 160 points a game in regulation to really get the, the playoff juices flowing. I just can't wait. I just hope to get as many Game 7s, Game 6s, close games as possible down the stretch now. I really hope we get a seven-game series out of this Portland one. It has definitely been it has definitely been the most fun series to watch, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, when they're playing at the same time as the Lakers, I have them on the big screen and the Lakers on the small screen. I'm going to be honest. They're just more fun. They're just more mm-hmm. fun. They're doing it better. They're having more fun. There's more awesome shots. There's more awesome plays. Austin Rivers is awesome. <laughs> um, I do want to – we're running a little low on time. I don't know. Do, do, I, I don't think that there's – I don't think there's much we can add, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to the Grizzlies. Grizzlies Jazz is our last series to cover before we close it out. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert is insufferable. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Not really. Very tired of his shenanigans. Mm. Very much love watching JV. Uh, JV's emergence has been really fun to watch because he's doing the same things he's been doing since he was drafted. He's just gotten really, really good at them. He's going inside. He's beating you up. He's throwing you around. He's getting inside. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert has still been great. But those minutes, they, they need him on the floor. And if JV puts him in foul trouble, I think that's where the Memphis Grizzlies can take this series. It's only 2-1 right now. By the time this airs, it'll either be 3-1 or 2-2. Rudy Gobert getting in foul trouble is where this series becomes mm-hmm. becomes winnable for Memphis because Derek Favors, I mean Derek Favors is good, but Ja Morant just blows right by him. <laughs> Cannot stop Ja. And that's not a diss on Derek Favors. No one can stop Ja. Rudy yeah. Gobert is just doing his best. And I think Ja Morant is a little too obsessed with dunking on Rudy Gobert right now. So that helps him a little bit. Mm-hmm. All he has to do is be like, just don't get dunked on, just don't get dunked on, just don't get dunked. Did you see at the end of the last game, John Moran was just so angry, and all he kept doing for like three possessions straight was just trying to dunk on Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, this is great. <laughs> this is must-watch television. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I've noticed about John, I actually, I really like, but I don't know what's going to end up happening with him in the NBA, is like, he really likes to dunk the ball like after the game is over or after the play is over or like once there's a whistle blown. You know how guys will usually just put up a three, you know, some random seven-footer is just going to go smack it before it hits the rim, and it's whatever. But John Morant's like going to throw up windmills and like 360s after the whistle, and it's a couple times now where like I see guys go and try to stop him, and it's like this could cause like a, some serious problems here because, yes, he shouldn't be trying to score after the whistle, but like what are you doing defending him? You know, like, just let him dunk the ball. 
it's not really going to get him in rhythm the same way a three would, right? Like, so I think that's just something that I noticed with John. That's exciting that I don't know what he's going to do and is, is the NBA is going to do in the future. But, you know, this Grizzlies-Jazz series, it's been great. I love the battle between these two. Seeing Mike Conley back in Memphis just killing so it is weird. It's so great to see. It's so weird, but it's so great. It's so it's weird so that he's weird. on the wrong team, but yeah. it's lovely to see the arena and him just going off at the same time and then realizing that it's not actually for Memphis. And you're like, oh, wait. No wonder they're losing because because Mike Conley's on the other team. Like I love that Mike Conley was on the same team as Dylan Brooks and they were locker neighbors. <laughs> Dylan Brooks had the same lo- had a locker next to Mike Conley and then in game one he's got his head he's head checking he's head checking Mike Conley he, and you know Dylan Brooks is six seven he's getting low to head check Mike Conley. <laughs> yeah, is, I mean that was ridiculous. I'm love I'm loving Dylan Brooks's intensity. He mm-hmm. has been an absolute revelation for, to the world these playoffs. I mean, we were on we were on the Dylan Brooks train. I was not yeah. on him this hard. I did not realize that he was this good an offensive player. I thought he was amazing, but I didn't think he was this level of amazing. You know, he's an amazing defender, but mm-hmm. he's just been going off. He's been willing this team to win. He thinks he's the best player on that team. He's like, <laughs> I'm mean, the second star. He's like, this is my team. Like, yeah, it's Jaws' team, but it's my team. Mm-hmm. No, Dylan's been huge for them. They wouldn't, they would not be in the playoffs if it was not for Dylan Brooks' intensity. Like his defense and his skill alone would not have gotten him there. It's the fact that he, his mentality and the way he comes out and plays every single night gets this, gets this Grizzlies team where they need to be. You mentioned Giannis Valanciunas. We love JV over here. He's an absolute monster in the paint, man. Rudy Gobert actually like really needs to be careful because Jonas Valanciunas might just give him twenty and twenty soon because he's just getting fed up with it. You know, like he might just say, you know what, Ja, you're you're doing great. You're averaging thirty four, but if we go down three one, I might need a few more touches in the post. Let me get this guy in foul trouble. Let me get us some buckets because he he's, eats Rudy Gobert's food. Like we've mentioned it before, not a great man to man defender, and JV has enough of a bag in the post where. He'll make you make you bite on the fakes, make you step outside and catch him on the corner threes, and it, it's going to cause Rudy Gobert some issues. So I think running through Jonas Valanciunas a lot more. And then another guy on the Grizzlies who's been surprisingly good, even though he, he might play the game a little bit more slowed down than most, slow-mo Kyle Anderson. He, he's he like, gotten steals that I've just never – I just don't even understand them, how he gets the ball. <laughs> Kyle Anderson gets steals. It looks like he literally slows the pass down somehow. Like, it looks like he's like, I- I'm sorry, I don't watch enough Marvel movies. Don't kill me. But, like, I know Benedict Cumberbatch plays the guy where he can, like, change time and stuff. It literally looks like Kyle Anderson on the floor. Like, he's out there just like, okay, the pass is thrown behind me. Let me just slow it down so I could turn around and just grab the steal. Like, he gets steals that it looks like it's just handed to him, but he's getting, like, four a game. So I guess he's really getting in the right spots. It's, he's been awesome. I'm one thing that I've been surprised with. I, I like Taylor Jenkins. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised with how big a rotation he's playing. Mm. I kind of expected like Jaron Jackson Jr. to be the backup five, Kyle Anderson to be the backup four, and like Dylan Brooks to be the backup three, and Desmond Bain to be the backup three. You know, like I expect like Desmond Bain, Grayson Allen, DeAnthony Melton to get on the floor. Maybe like yeah. eight minutes of Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman combined. Mm-hmm. You're seeing some interesting, a little more of the bench than I thought. Mm-hmm. That and is weird. I, I think that's it, it's just a young coach, man. I think it's his first time in the playoffs. He's he's going to learn. He's going to take some time. And that's a lot of young players. He's, he's divvying up his minutes a little bit more. I think we are going to see now down the stretch, whether it goes 2-2 or 3-1, by game five, hopefully six and or seven, We'll see a little bit more John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Jonas Valanciunas. 
Jaron Jackson, and Kyle Anderson. Like, there's these five out on the floor. We want some shooting. Okay, Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, come off the bench. Mm-hmm. If we need another guard handler, okay, DeAnthony Melton, come off the bench. But other than that, like, Tyus Jones, Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, all very good NBA players. But in the playoffs against a team like the Utah Jazz that has just been killing people all season, mm-hmm. you, you can't have this rotation where guys just aren't warm, aren't into the game yet. It doesn't work in the playoffs the same way it does in the regular season. And just like you're giving, like, look, I like Tyus Jones a lot. I like Tyus Jones a lot. I like Brandon Clark a lot. I like Xavier Tillman a lot too. You're putting the ball in too many players' hands is my issue more than anything. Mm-hmm. John Morant should run the offense. Dylan Brooks should run the offense. Kyle Anderson can run the offense. Mm-hmm. I like Tyus Jones. Eh, sit him. I, I like <laughs> just just let let Dylan and Kyle Anderson run it. Because if he's not running the offense, you might as well have the Anthony Melton out there, you know, bringing the ball up and giving the ball to someone else to run the offense, and then guarding the one. Mm-hmm. You, you might as well have Grayson Allen out there at the two locking up. Grayson Allen, by the way, is in this for revenge. Grayson Allen is on his revenge grind. He hate, He's like, Utah, you traded me. I'm going to make you regret it. Game mm-hmm. three, he came, game three, he was the reason that game became tight again. Splashing threes, hitting shots. If there wasn't that offensive foul called, which was kind mm. of a sus call, not too sus a call, kind of a sus call, but like not that sus. Not so sus that I think a challenge would have overturned it, but enough that it was like, oh, man, I wish the refs had swallowed, refs had swallowed their whistle because mm. I love a close game more than anything. I think Grayson Allen could have really turned the tide right there. I think that we might see Grayson Allen get inserted into the starting five. He, he almost deserves to be there. It just depends. Like, it just, I just don't think you're going to take, take Jaron Jackson off the, on the bench. I think that's what yeah. it is. Also, I think Jaron Jackson is due for a game. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson is so good at basketball. I think he is due for a game. A nice little. I think someone sent me the highlights today of the 36 and like 12 game he had versus Brooklyn two years ago or something. 36 and 8. Mm-hmm. I was watching the highlights of him doing his little dribble moves, step back, pull up three over. I can't remember who it was. The dude is mm-hmm. so nice. I, I was my dad came was watching the game with me, and I was like telling him who the players were, and I go number thirteen. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. at his best when he is at his highest. He is someone who can guard one to five, rim protect, and do everything on the floor. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can pull up. He can drive, he can finish, he can do everything. He can catch lobs, he can do everything. Mm-hmm. He's a little slow coming back from injury. I'm and, really hoping he finds at least, not, even not, he doesn't need to go full psycho 100%, but I'd love to see him hit that. I think it was his second game back level when he was playing mm-hmm. Yusuf Narkic, and I freaked out on this podcast about how great he looked. If he can hit that level for the last four games, I think Memphis can take the series because that mm. is a huge level. That is containing a full – because he has struggled to guard Rudy Gobert as the backup five. If he can yeah. contain Rudy Gobert as the backup five and hit his threes at a good clip and finish around the rim at a good good rate, I think that that could be a big sway in this series. Mm. And and you're right, man. The Memphis Grizzlies are, are definitely a team. We've spoken about it so many times, but Utah Jazz – Giannis spoke about it the other day. He didn't want to play with his food in Miami. They they better not mess around and give this Memphis team a chance because this is a team that will come out and punch you in the face and then continuously punch you while you're on the ground because that's how Memphis rolls, man. That's what they do. And the way that Utah has been playing, they've been good. 
they haven't been as good as they were during stretches of the regular season, and that's not going to get them to where they want to be this year. So they're going to need to turn up along with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell because those two guys have done a lot for this team. Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, George Niang, all those role players that were very good for the Utah Jazz have struggled a little bit in this first round, and they're going to need to step it up when they if they want to make a serious run through this thing. They're, they're finding their footing more. They sh- they've, they've gotten mm-hmm. better as the series has gone on. Game three, they, game three, Niang and Clarkson were hitting some great shots that were really timely and very important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's just going to depend as we see this series go. But I would love... I, I, I don't, I mean, I can't tell if I'm, like, rooting for the underdog or if I'm rooting for the Memphis Grizzlies when I say I want the Grizzlies to win. I can't tell if that's me being, like, you know, oh, I love the Memphis Grizzlies. I hope they win. Or if I'm, like, oh, you know, I, I love the underdogs. <laughs> Either way, I just want Memphis to win so badly. I think it would be so funny. Mm. I, 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 so, you and it would 100% justify the play-in games. Can you, oh, 100%. 100%. Can you imagine the uproar? If uh, the the memes, just the pure <laughs> memes, if Utah loses, oh mm-hmm. man, that, that clip of LeBron saying, "I'm sorry, no offense, but no one plays as Utah." Oh my <laughs> god, oh that would be everywhere. It would be horrible in the best way. Mm-hmm. All right, where uh, Jazz? Anything? Any, any anything else before we close this out? Yeah, last thing before we close this out. Ali, the Canadian de Montreal. Away, Lee boys, big game, I swear. Game seven, Habs, Leafs, anyone still listening to this who like cares about hockey at all, send us a DM if the Habs win because me and Ivana will be absolutely screaming in celebration. I will probably be screaming, but it's just because I have night terrors. Um, <laughs> and this I, mean, be- I mean, I'll be celebrating. <laughs> um. And this has been... <laughs> this, uh, this has been Ball Talk. Um, <laughs> that's how we close it out. Um, mm-hmm. This has been Ball Talk. Thank you all for so much for tuning in and listening. Please keep liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing. Follow us on Instagram. Send us DMs. Interact with us. If you've got, you know, anything, hit us up. We love talking. We're all, you know, we're just like you. We're regular people who are bored during this pandemic. <laughs> um, Please keep sharing, liking, subscribing. It helps us. It's nothing. It's free, and it means the world to us. Um, thank you, and thank you for tuning in to Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby.